Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now, this was going to be a bite-sized episode, and I think it's still going to be a more bite-sized length episode, but my guest today, unfortunately, um, yeah, wasn't able to meet with me this week, so I had a bit of a change of routine, so I thought I would put one of the bite-sized episode topics in for the kind of longer version podcast, and this is going to be talking about eating disorder recovery when you are in a larger body. And again, this is one that has been requested by one of the listeners. So thank you to that person for requesting this topic, which definitely needs to be talked about much more. So eating disorders, of course, impact people of all shapes and body sizes, of all genders, all ethnicities. However, still the typical view of someone with an eating disorder still tends to be the white, emaciated teenage, adolescent girl, But we know that 85% of people with eating disorders are not underweight. Many people are suffering with hidden symptoms of starvation, binging, purging, over-exercise and much more. Now, it's often wrongly assumed that just because someone is in a larger body that they may be struggling with binge eating, overeating, emotional eating or similar. Now, this may or may not be true, but will vary tremendously between individuals as it would also for someone who is in a smaller body. You know, someone in a smaller body may be struggling with all of those things I've just mentioned, but we can't tell looking from the outside in. So bodies naturally come in a variety of shapes and sizes. You can't tell whether someone has an eating disorder by looking at them, and you can't even tell which type of eating disorder they have by looking at them. And everybody's body responds differently to starvation or restrictive eating. So some people will lose weight when they restrict their eating and other people will have a body that actively defends its set point and may even maintain or gain weight. So it's highly, highly bearable and you cannot judge someone from the outside. And I guess it's quite complex as well for all the different reasons why people's bodies are going to be different. But, um, you know, again, we just have to be so careful not to judge and just to really appreciate that everyone's body is different. So someone can be in starvation and have a normal range or higher BMI and experiencing all the physical and mental symptoms of anorexia nervosa. So if someone falls in that category, these days they are usually referred to as having atypical anorexia nervosa. So having all the symptoms of someone with the more typical anorexia nervosa, but having the absence of that low BMI. And of course as well, I understand BMI is dated um, and it doesn't account for lots of different factors like body composition, ethnicity, race, gender and age. But despite it being a very imperfect measure, it is still widely used today by medical professionals because of its an inexpensive and quick method for analysing health, weight, etc. But of course, just want to say, you know, it is something that we have to really take massively with a pinch of salt. BMI is not the be all and end all. And it has been massively detrimental that BMI is often used as the 
kind of determining factor whether people can access support and help and all of that kind of stuff. So not great. So when you're recovering from an eating disorder in a world which is dominated by diet culture, the pressure to be thin, it is really, really hard. I think even if you're in a smaller body, but if you're in a larger body, you face many, many challenges. Um, there's so much um, fat phobia and weight stigma around and um, it can be very, very confusing really and you might not feel that you're sick enough. So if you're in a larger body as well, you often don't get the treatment that you deserve. There are delays in diagnosis and um, you might not be able to access eating disorder recovery treatment at all or you may have only been able to, re to access it kind of much later in life after you've been struggling for many, many years. So this is, you know, definitely something that's really wrong. And I think as well, people in larger bodies with eating disorders, often family members don't really understand that they have an eating disorder. It's something that they feel they can't talk to about their with their friends. As they go and speak to a medical professional, sometimes they're just praised for their weight loss and their symptoms are not validated or they're told that they're not thin enough. So it's really, really hard to be able to access treatment and to be taken seriously. And I think it's meant as well that there's many people, I'm thinking particularly in the UK, and um, particularly when I've been working with people in binge eating groups um, in the NHS in the UK, so many people in these groups who haven't accessed treatment for years, have been living with an eating disorder for years and years and years, and perhaps hadn't even realised it was an eating disorder because of the culture, because of the weight stigma, because of the distorted messages, because of being praised for weight loss. And that's a finally come into treatment, you know, after struggling for many, many years, but perhaps just hadn't really realized they even had an eating disorder because of these confusing messages. So in recovery from an eating disorder, you may be in a naturally larger body, which corresponds with your healthy set point for your body. So what do we mean by set point? So your set point is the term used to describe your sort of genetic weight range that is optimal for you for health and functioning. And this set point weight is gonna be different for everybody in the same way that we all have different shoe sizes, different heights. Um, you know, your set point again is going to be um, very individual and dependent on your body. And when we try and force our body to go below our set point where our body is sort of happy, the body will sort of recognize this and will sort of fight against it. And um, because of, as human beings, we are absolutely designed for survival and to, you know, yeah, just to thrive really when food is short, etc., etc. So if we try and restrict and push our body below the set point, our body will use lots of mechanisms to try and um, keep your weight within that range. Um, so for example, like slowing down your metabolism, you might get like really kind of high ravenous hunger and um, you, know, you know, other things as well, your body will adjust basically. So for some people as well in recovery, um, they may have a temporary overshoot with weight in recovery, which goes above their set point whilst their body heals and fully recovers. Um, so again, this can be a kind of trigger as well if you are feeling that you are in 
a larger body, um, above your set point from where you were perhaps before you had your eating disorder. And this can also be really, really challenging. So a bit more as well, what do we mean by overshoot? So as we've said, our body has this sort of set point range, but when we've been in starvation, basically the body is terrified almost of going back into starvation. If the body's depleted of energy and essential nutrients, you know, you're in that place of starvation and our primal brain doesn't know the difference between food scarcity or dietary restriction from an eating disorder. So any form of nutritional deprivation is seen as a famine. And in recovery from famine, the body will do all it can to protect itself in case another famine occurs. And one survival mechanism is to store backup energy as fat for a certain amount of time until there is no risk of future famine. And once safe, the body will start to use this reserve of energy. So overshoot can be viewed as an essential part of returning to your predetermined determined set point and restoring the optimal ratio of muscle, bone and fat in the body. So we know as well from the Minnesota starvation study that some of the men had an overshoot with their weight above their set point range, but actually in the sort of follow up from the study, their weights did return to the normal range. So we kind of know that it is a temporary thing that you sometimes get this overshoot and it's all part of the process. And um, although it can be quite tricky to deal with, it is not to be feared. So what do you do? In recovery, if you are naturally in a larger body, if you're dealing with overshoot weight, how do you deal with all these things as it can be really, really, really challenging? You may feel shame about your body size or that you failed to recover appropriately. As, um, you know, the typical image, I think, isn't, isn't it, of someone who's recovered from an eating disorder is someone who is perhaps not thin, but they're still slender. And I think it can feel very isolating if you're in a larger body and it can leave you very vulnerable as well to the pressures of further dieting and then relapsing. Time for a short advertisement break. Friends, does it seem like I'm okay until I'm stressed, then I can't stop eating? Am I ever going to stop binging? I just can't slow down or relax. I can't tell my hunger and fullness even though I think I'm eating enough. I'm fine with food till something happens and then I'm restricting or emotional eating or not buying groceries again. I surround myself with body positive pictures, wearing more comfortable clothes, but I still can't stand my body and I fear gaining weight. You don't lack knowledge. You might just not have felt a sense of safety inside you for recovery efforts to fully land. This means you might be living in chronic fight, flight, freeze or please and you need new experiences of the threat responses softening that cause the eating and body image issues in the first place so the recovery can actually stick. If you're seeking the missing piece in your food, weight and health recovery journey, consider trauma-informed nutrition counselling with Tracy Brown and Associates. Tracy can be reached at www.tracybrownrd.com slash get hyphen started. That's www.tracybrownrd.com slash get hyphen started to learn how to shift what has been too much or not enough inside for food to feel easy. So now I'm going to talk about seven ways to help deal with recovery when you're in a larger body in recovery from an eating disorder. 
So I think before I go on to my seven points, I think it's really important to say that if you're in a larger body and you have an eating disorder, you know, this may be a very, very obvious thing to say, but please keep in mind that there is nothing wrong with your body. And you are every bit as worthy of treatment as anyone else. You absolutely deserve to have it. And um, the problem is with the culture and the misunderstanding of eating disorders. And I think what's really important is you step into your truth. And if you know you've been struggling with eating disorder symptoms and they have been affecting your life, you need to listen to that and honour that. And, and that is your truth and you're absolutely deserving of help. And I think if you meet dead ends, do persist in seeking out help. So number one, what can you do? So I'd say number one is if you can, meet with a therapist who is haze aligned, health at every size, somebody who is experienced in working with a whole range of eating disorders and has dealt with their own weight stigma, fat phobia, etc., which is inevitably going to be there because of the culture we live in. Now, the Health at Every Size movement presents now a lot of research as well to show that, you know, actually you can be in a larger body and have health-promoting behaviours and still be, you know, very, very healthy for you. So if you haven't read up on Health every, at Every Size, I would really recommend that you do some reading on that. And if you are going to work with somebody in your recovery, try and find someone who is Hayes Health at Every Size aligned because that's just going to be so helpful. And um, you're going to feel really supported and encouraged along the way. And you're not going to be sort of, I don't know, given messages that are contradictory um, or maybe tempted to diet, which could send you back into a relapse. I think another thing that's really important is to stay very clear of anyone who is promising to help you do a radical weight loss and you know lead you down that seductive path with all good intentions but not realizing that they are absolutely activating your eating disorder so i think that is very 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 important so number one definitely finding the right support number two working towards a radical acceptance of the body you have and I am fully aware that in saying this, I, I really appreciate is this is very, very challenging in the culture that we live in. And um, it is a reality that we do live in a society where there is a lot of fat phobia and weight stigma. And you may have friends, family, well-meaning people around you who don't say the most helpful things. And of course, we're inundated with social media and lots of triggering things that can really set you off track with this. But I think working towards a radical acceptance of your body is just the most helpful thing. You know, for most of us, I think 70% of our bodies are determined really by genetics. And we might be told by diet culture that we can sculpt our body into any shape or size. But you know, really, if you are um, you know, if you're in a larger body, if you are more muscular, if you're taller, if you're larger boned, that is the way that you are. And actually coming to terms with that and accepting your amazing body is something that is something to really, really work towards. And something I think that's often helpful to think about is, you know, would you rather be sort of slimmer, but living with an eating disorder for the next so many years? Or would you rather be in a place of optimum health for your body type? 
And I think it's really trying to get into your own lane and think about what is healthy for you, what is your optimal thing, and looking at that sort of independently of weight. You know, weight can be a factor in the mix, but there's so many other things that are more important to consider. And I think, again, it's really important to be engaging with professionals as well that understand this because still you can get very mixed messages and be set off track with this. So number two, radical acceptance of your body. Number three, a real acknowledgement that weight stigma and fat phobia are very real issues. So work to really educate your inner circle and beyond if possible about these issues. But I think it's really important to have your inner circle of people, the people who really love and care about you to be really on board with this, to understand the journey that you're on and um, you know how you're working. So as you can, to the pe- with the people that support and encourage you, you know, talk to them about your experiences, share openly, get support, express your feelings, have a good vent, reach out to other people in larger bodies as well, maybe who are going through the same thing so that you're not alone. Because of, it's so important that we feel supported and understood by the people that are really important to us. And if you have that circle of people around you who really advocate for you, who are your cheerleaders, who want the best for you, who understand about all this weight stigma and fat phobia, etc., they can really be there for you. And when you inevitably have your down days, you can just talk to them about it and they can remind you gently about why you're on the path you're on and be your cheerleaders and supporters. So really important. Number four, wear clothes that suit your body type. So stand tall, smile, get creative with your appearance and focus on living your life fully. So looking good and feeling good is so much more than being a certain weight or being thin and we can be creative with our appearance we can express ourselves in so many different ways so i'd really encourage you as well you know buy some clothes that are really comfortable but also ones that if it's your thing make you feel kind of stylish and um, good about yourself deep down i'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and buy lots of clothes you know if that's not your thing then it's really important that you do what's right for you but I think we can feel so much better about our appearance and how we look when we are taking care of ourselves choosing perhaps colors that suit us you can accessorize I guess with jewelry or makeup or hair or nails if that's your thing again this isn't for everybody but again it can be it can help you feel um you know good about your appearance and you know, obviously that is just the outer of your body, but if you're feeling good sometimes on the outer as well, that can reflect as well how you're feeling inwardly and it's all this kind of, um, you know, this sort of circle that all kind of works together. So yeah, wear clothes, clothes that suit your body type, stand tall, smile and get creative with your appearance and focus on living your life. Number five, focus on body neutrality and what your body can do. So of course we live in a culture where we are massively overly influenced by aesthetics, how our body looks, and we often forget just how amazing our bodies are, their wonderful physiology, all the different things that they can do. We forget about their strength, their movement, their flexibility, 
And the classic thing, isn't it? In 10 years time, you're probably gonna look back on the body you have now and long for many of the things that your body can do at this moment in time, if you're pain-free, etc. all those good things. So really try to work more towards body neutrality. So focusing much more on what your body can do and also working just to focus less on your body because of, I think as a human being, it's very hard sometimes to feel really good about your body. The body is not something that is easy to perfect. It's very easy to get into cycles of comparing yourself. It's very easy to become very overly critical when you focus so much on your body. So if your body can be more in the background of your life, you know, as a wonderful instrument that helps you move around, but you're actually focused so much more on living and getting out there, that can be a much more helpful mindset. Number six, expand your life in other areas. So yeah, just building on the last one really, you know, thinking about what do you want to do? What experiences do you want to have? What is your purpose? Who do you want to be spending time with? Where do you want to travel? What is meaningful for you? Have you created a bucket list even? So thinking about the things that really excite you and light you up and give you hope and inspiration. So focusing again, much less on the body. And number seven, have some great role models to look up to who are leading their best lives but are not like ultra slim. So find some people in larger bodies who are great role models, who give you inspiration, who can kind of are paving the path in front of you really just to give you inspiration and to give you permission to give your own body more acceptance. And you know, I guess like conversely as well, don't be spending lots of time looking at things that are gonna be triggering and unhelpful. Have some great role models in your mind, people that are, um, you know, just out there leading their best lives. And it doesn't necessarily have to be people in larger bodies, anyone that inspires you, but looking at the bigger picture of recovery and expanding your life and getting over your eating disorder. Okay, so I hope this episode has given you some things to think about. If you feel that there are more things that I haven't covered, do get in touch with me on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore and let me know any other tips and things that you have because I am very open to hearing more about this. I think there is much more to share on this topic. It's something that is not talked about very much. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And if you want further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. I have got a bit of a waiting list at the moment for my individual therapy, but do um, you know get in touch if you want to know more about it. I can tell you a bit about my waiting list, etc. You might also be interested in my online course if you are interested in the way that I work. Um, my online course has a lot of content which is very similar to what I do in the therapy room. So it's a really great introduction and insight. And at the moment I have 50% off that course if you go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.